Hello and welcome to Brits on Flix, your monthly movie podcast where we discuss, deliberate and dissect a movie of our choosing. On the last episode, Brian narrowed down the choices to What Lies Beneath. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 that's it. And yep. uh, well, let's just dive into it. What's your history with this movie? Well, when this film came out, uh, what was the year? Was it 98? Or 2000. 2000, 2000, that's it, blimey. Well, I, I would say that even even in 2000, Michelle Pfeiffer was probably my still my favourite actress at that point. Uh, I'd, I'd, yeah, basically my my big crush as a as a teenager uh, into early adulthood was was Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, just always always liked her ever since. Batman Returns, um, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, uh, but no, I just, just, yeah, there's something very, yeah, <laughs> something that very. I think you've said it all. I think I've said it all. Very, but yeah, back there, very sensual woman, but very talented as well. Very good actress. Uh, not just someone who gets by on her looks. Uh, she's actually, yeah, she's always come across as someone with a, a very large degree of intelligence and independence and yeah I just I gravitated towards that uh, in her and her performances and so the main thing that really got my bum in the seat for this in the cinema was her uh, her name above the title uh, so yeah I pretty much would watch anything with her in at this uh, you know at that point so that's what I did and you know, it had it had a very kind of Hitchcock vibe about it in the publicity, and it was around about that time that I I think I'd seen, I think I'd seen Psycho when I was a, I was in my mid-teens, and uh, so I, I, that kind of led me into a few other Hitchcock movies, and I I liked Hitchcock, um, nowhere near to the degree I do now, but yeah, put all those elements together, Robert Zemeckis as director. I thought, yeah, this 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 is probably going to be good value for money. So I went to see it and really liked it. Um, whether I still do or not remains to be seen. We'll get into that, I guess. But um, yeah, at the time when it came out, it, it was. I think it sat in my top twenty of the year. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, um, I, I went to see it in the cinema as well. Uh, of course couple of things that interested me. It had Indiana Jones in it. It had Stephanie from Greece too. Um it <laughs> it was directed from the guy that did Back to the Future. Why why would I not want to see this one? So um I went on a date with someone we went to see it and um that was it. I I, I think I was more infatuated with the girl I was with rather than the movie. Oh. I enjoyed the film. I left the cinema and promptly never thought about it. Okay. Nineteen years later, um, when it got brought up in a podcast, and I was like, "Okay, it's time to revisit this." It's been please, a long please while. tell me that the girl you were infatuated with on the cinema trip is now your wife. Okay, it, why do you want to lie? Swiftly on. <laughs> I just wanted you to say that the, the, the you gave up you gave up on this this pretty decent film because because it, yeah the, the the woman you were with was was someone 
worthy of the attention, but from the sound of it, yeah. Anyway, yeah, swiftly moving anyway. on. <clears throat> so, Brian, do you have a synopsis for us? I do, yeah. When Claire Spencer starts hearing ghostly voices and seeing spooky images, she wonders if an otherworldly spirit is trying to contact her. All the while, her husband tries to reassure her by telling her it's all in her head. But as Claire is encouraged to investigate these ghostly apparitions further by her psychiatrist, they begin to point towards her husband and the truth of what lies beneath. Wow. Nailed it yet again, Brian. I don't know how you work the title into the last sentence of every synopsis, but it just makes my day. So there we have it. Let's move on. So I think the first thing about what lies beneath is is the strange way that the story kind of evolves. You know, it starts almost like a drama. It moves into an almost um, rear window type of story before mm. jumping into a, a ghost story. You know, mm. it really does just go through various gamuts of, of genres. Um, and and personally, it was something that I found really kind of refreshing and constantly reinvigorating the movie as mm. we moved from section to section. What do you yeah. think about this kind of layup of the film? Yeah, uh, I, I agree. It, it never feels um, out of place, though, in in the way that, like, two years or oh, four years before this, uh, from dusk till dawn. You know, you get that. Mm. It's it, it, it's a particular kind of movie, and then it shifts into something else. And it, it, it like, from dusk till dawn is one of those films where you like one half of the film more at a certain age than you do when you're another age and then you like the other half a lot better or at least that's what i found so it, mm. so it's kind of yeah it's a film of two halves whereas this that shift in kind of direction and the, the kind of movie that it wants to be it works it doesn't feel out of place it doesn't feel like they've suddenly decided to shoehorn something in or or go in a place that it, the film doesn't deserve to go mm. it just feels like it, it it does feel very much like a Hitchcock homage, but taking a whole variety of different films that Hitchcock did and kind of putting them all into the melting pot. There's definitely a psycho vibe in there. You think oh, about the shower absolutely. scene, you know. Um, so, yeah, uh, no, it, it works for me, the style, the tone, the different directions it goes in. Um, and I do like the slow build nature. I mm. I, I, I feel like... These days, a lot of horror films. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember what the name of it was. I went to see Doctor Sleep, and I, which I really loved, and I came out of Doctor Sleep, and I went into. Um, so is that one about the the killer app? Countdown. Countdown. That's it. I walked out after after fifteen minutes, because within a ten minute within the within the first ten minutes, there had literally been about ten jump scares. Um, and and it's just like it's this this thing where we you know the the ADD generation where you, where you need a you know you got to have a particular kind of action beat every minute otherwise you're going to lose their attention and I feel like this kind of slow build psychological thriller type movie it it, it, it you don't see it as much these days I, th I think there has been a little bit of a resurgence with with mm -hmm. you know filmmakers like Ari Aster and whatnot coming out of the woodwork now and films like It Follows and things in recent years 
but I just feel like your mainstream cinema stuff, your stuff that kind of goes for your teenage market, it loses a lot of the qualities that make this kind of film worth the watch, I think. Yeah, um, like you say, it's, it's a slow build, but at no point is it slow. You know, it mm. still gives you a lot of information, gives you a lot of character work. And it's really thinking about it afterwards that you realise how much effort that Zemeckis has put into this and how everything ties into the story. Mm. Small moments that you disregard as something that's unimportant on a rewatch or when you're thinking about it suddenly becomes far more uh, enriching to the actual mm. film itself. Um, yeah. I loved, particularly at the start of the movie, when you understand that... Um, Pfeiffer's character has been in an accident. She's had mm. some trauma about this and you feel like they've moved to this house or the, back to the house to try and get a kind of a fresh start to try and get her to put down some roots again and create uh, a more stable life for herself. And you start to think, well, she's psychologically damaged. This is mm. going to be a tale of a woman reading into things, things that aren't actually happening or nobody's going to believe her because she's a little bit twisted and it really... It really does build up the character um, because I had I had forgotten that she's front and centre because you get a name like Harrison Ford, you assume that he's mm. going to be uh, the sort of main player of this movie, but she's, he's not. He's a supporting character here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to yeah. to fantastic uh, kind of performance here because, like I said, it starts off this neurotic uh, woman doubting herself into someone that's absolutely positive into somebody that's, you know, dealing with therapy and... and, and and doubting herself within the therapy sessions where mm-hmm. uh, the therapist is actually like, no, you could be right. Why don't mm-hmm. you explore that more than anything rather than the self-doubt that you have mm-hmm. into becoming a confident person whose world has kind of changed at the end of it. It's a great, mm-hmm. a great story arc for a character. Yeah, not to mention the, the moments where she it seems possessed uh, mm. by the spirit. So there's, there's a lot of work for Pfeiffer in this uh, with, with regards to where the character has to go and the changes that she has to make. Um, but again, in an organic way, not in a shoehorned in kind of way. So, yeah, I think she gives a very good performance here. Uh, some really great moments, some, some, some moments that actually quite move me in the way, in the way that she plays them. Uh, Pfeiffer's very good at playing women that, are both strong and independent and yet somehow fragile. Mm. Uh, she does that very well in Frankie and Johnny as well, but, uh, but, but she does it here. That, you, know, she, you, you definitely get the sense that this woman is losing her sanity, that she's, she's on the tipping point, she's on the edge. Um, but you believe her when when she fights when she when mm. she when she did when she makes that choice to say no actually i'm going to see this through i'm going to check it out um it, it never feels like well like you know the, today we, you know, these days we've got so, like, it doesn't seem like a film comes out these days where we don't have arguments about gender debate and forced you know, like to term like the latest Terminator film, which I really liked, uh, but mm-hmm. it was just destroyed by this this constant debate of is is the is the the female empowerment issue being forced on us, or is it is it organic? Is it you know whatever? Pfeiffer, as an actor, has always been very good at, at just bringing that to a role. 
Um, mm. You know, it, it, it's it's. I think it's something that's innate in her as a performer. It's something I like about her. This idea that she can play these roles that require some kind of fragility, but also be believable when when that strength, that inner strength, comes out and comes through and shines through. So yeah, um, she does that here and she does it brilliantly. Yeah, there's a there's a small moment. I'm a little bit removed from the movie. A couple of weeks, I can't remember exactly where it is, but she's having yeah, a double date with her her husband mm. and uh, some other couple, and um, he says something, and she just gives him a look, mm. and and that split second look there is so much within it like yeah look why the hell are you saying that you shouldn't have said that come on you're going to make me look crazy mm. um, i'm going to have to tell you a story it's just all this information is just delivered in a split second look and that's when you know you're in the hands of like somebody that just knows her craft that that, yeah. that, that tiny little moment and she does other things later on like you said the possession scenes where her whole body image seems to change the way she moves, her posture, the way she carries herself before she utters a line is just vastly different from this other character that she has most of the time in the movie. I think it's a, a, a wonderful performance. Yeah, definitely. And then on the other hand we have Harrison Ford who is at first the, the doting supportive husband but who becomes a little bit more controlling and manipulative later on into that kind of cocky douchebag type of <laughs> character who, who who has nefarious intentions. Yeah. yeah, we we just don't see him playing this role. Uh, it's like I I can't think of another role he's done like this. To be honest, has he ever played a villain again before, or like before or since? Um, I I can't, can't think, think of one. No. No. Uh, yeah, it's just it's definitely uh, not what you expect from Ford, and he, he has fun with it. You can tell he's having fun with it by the end of the film, um, and it's yeah, it's, it's kind of a shame that he doesn't do more like this, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I guess he, he has a certain image, and I think that's that's why I, it's why a lot of the stuff in this film works. I think a lot of the stuff regarding whether or not she's mentally ill, whether it's just things she's seeing, I think that works to a large degree, mostly because of Fiverr's performance, but also because of the casting of Ford, because it's Harrison Ford. He ain't going to be the bad guy. So something else is going on, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you, but yeah, so to have that reveal where, yeah, it's actually Ford, it's, yeah, it's 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 a good use of casting, I think. Mm-hmm. And we get the whole, um, who would you say, ruse at the start on the viewer, of the, the neighbour next door and mm. the husband, James Rumour, who mm. we are led to believe that something has happened there. That this is the story that is not a story. This is all within her head. She's seen fragments of the neighbour's relationship mm. and she creates a tale round about it that puts, which is both good because it distracts you from the main story of the movie and lets you think you're going a separate way. And also it alludes to later on where she's making up stories again and you're thinking is this another one that's in her head you know at first you're thinking the movie's over two hours in length and could there be something that could be cut out of it but everything is so tightly put together that it all ties into the rest of the script and, and makes it makes sense of everything yeah yeah definitely um nice nice to see miranda otto as well popping up as the the, the crazy lady next door kind of thing she's uh mm-hmm. obviously would go on to lord of the rings uh, same year, really. Oh no, t- year later, two thousand one, yeah. is it? Um, but uh, yeah, just 
little red herrings like that 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 as well feels very very much like a hitchcock kind of thing mm. he he would litter red herrings throughout some of his thrillers and stuff but um yeah yeah it's yeah it's good i like the i don't know if you you saw it but um there's a few subtle things that are done with some of the visuals uh that you can miss like there's a face in the mist um, yes. Th 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 like there's a moment when the it, it's when the car going when the car's over the out. bridge. Uh, yeah, there's, there's there's that one, but there's it's where it's when she comes out of the drive, and there's th the way that something's framed, it makes something look a little bit like a face, and you just you just see little things like that that are like, you know, is 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 that part of the atmosphere, so to speak? Is it you know, mm. is 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 this a haunted house movie or what kind of thing? Yeah. So. But, but like you said, he's definitely playing in Hitchcock's wheelhouse, mm. and he he does do lots of throwbacks to Hitchcock movies. But he, he definitely tries to build the suspense. You know, we get the scene where she's watching the neighbour open the, the the wine and the gift basket, and mm. he may be coming over to the house. We get the terrific bathtub scene yeah. later <laughs> on, which um, kind of reminded me of both uh, Psycho and of Kill Bill. As well, yes, yeah, the, 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 the toe, wiggle the toe, yes, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. which is a terrific scene, um, mm. and it's so, it's so elongated, yeah. You know that water takes a, a, an age, uh, well, it rises really quickly to her lips, and then takes an age from there uh. to her nose, <laughs> um, and you're never, you're never consciously watching the water rise. You're just more tense about the whole mm. situation because it is. Fantastic. I, I, I find you're holding your breath once once the water gets to the chin you start holding your breath and it's like and you're mm. just waiting for that toe to do something it's like watch, mm -hmm. just just flipping move come on it's like there's literally nothing going on it's a woman mm. laying a bathtub but it's really suspenseful it's, it's like it's kind of I don't know it, it feels like it breaks the rules of you know of, of what a tension-filled scene should be you know you, mm -hmm. you look at the shower scene in psycho there's a lot going on there you know you've got some what appears to be a crazy lady creeping up on this naked woman you can see her through the shower curtain and then you know the the curtain goes and and, and there's a vicious attack and is is marion crane gonna be able to defend herself she's like flailing around mm. all over it's, it's very dramatic it's very you know it's very tense because it's like oh go go do something do something do something this is just, it's a, literally a woman laying a bath who can't move mm. and you're like the tension's coming out of whether or not her foot is going to move it's yeah. just yeah it's it, it it feels like the antithesis of what a tension-filled scene should be, yeah. but it works. Exactly, it's like, um, like the, the, the psycho scene. You have that, 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 you know there's more than one person involved, one person doesn't know what's happening. It gets to a crescendo and this frenzied violence. Um, but here, uh, the crescendo is the water going down the drain. Mm. You know, it's, it's one person. It's, it's, it's probably... I think it's probably my favourite scene in the movie, the bathtub sequence, because um, mm. it's just so expertly set up. But I will say, I have a lot of fun with her encounters with her, her therapist. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really do. And he's not in the movie for long. He's just there. But I like the fact that she goes there and she's self-doubting and 
rather than go like, yes, that's silly. He he kind of gives her the confidence to investigate things herself. Mm. You know, like, yeah. you know, she's talking about she feels as if there's a spirit in the house, and she's like, isn't that silly? <laughs> and he's mm. like, well, is it? Is it? What makes you think that it's silly? Do you think there could be something there? And almost encourages her mm. to like, um, not to not to be built with self doubt. Um, which I, 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 it's just a, like a wee throwaway thing, but I thought it was great. Mm, yeah, definitely. Mm. I had the um, d- the best friend. Uh, I, you know, the one who kind of, I think she encourages her to look into some some of the more wacky ele- elements. She yeah. had a bit of a Julian Julianne Moore in. Um, Ham that rocks the cradle vibe going on. I was expecting her to get off at some point. Right. It, it feels set up in the same way that she's going to be the best friend who who helps her kind of helps steer her path and then has a vital piece of information to give her about the husband who you know who, who, who turns out to be crazy and and I, I don't know. I was expecting that the husband to kill her off. Because uh, it, it's been it's been a long time since I'd seen it, um, and I, you know, obviously I remembered the reveal about Harrison Ford being the killer, but I couldn't mm. remember if anything happened to the friend or not. But um, yeah, yeah, it, as it feels like one of those characters that you're just you wouldn't be surprised if they just get brutally murdered in some scene mm. and was never seen again. Um, I would say if the movie has. Down points um, for me is is the mech is tinkering with the CG mm. yet again. Yeah, yeah, I feel this is something that he, he, I mean, he, he does fully embrace it, but maybe it's not <laughs> necessary. Yeah, I, I think it looks good back when it came out, but it's probably mm. not dated very well now. There's there's particularly some stuff with the car on the bridge towards the end. Um, that, that feels very kind of weightless and you can mm. tell it's CGI work. Um, but yeah, he, he obviously he's, he's always been a bit of a pioneer when it comes to that stuff. Sometimes you're going to hit, sometimes you're going to miss and sometimes in this film he does miss with it. But. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with what lies beneath? Uh, no, not really. I just, I just think it's a a, a really good film about mm-hmm. someone just finding, yeah, finding that inner strength to to yeah, to overcome an, an oppression that she didn't realise was there in her life, mm-hmm. uh, an oppression that comes from, the, yeah, the, a place that should provide the greatest comfort, you know. Um, so yeah, she's she's. Suffers the, the the greatest betrayal, really, uh, but she overcomes it and and uh, yeah, does him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed revisiting this. Um, you know, it's a, it's a homage to Hitchcock. It's a great thriller. It's a great mystery. It's a great supernatural flick. It's got two uh, superstars, really, of the time and who are still big names today, doing terrific work. It's very playful. It's very fun. It's super engaging and it's really interesting. I, I thought it was great. Um, I was quite happy to revisit it. It's not a, a five out of five for me. No. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, probably a, a four, four and a half, somewhere around that mark. Yeah, I, I, I go with four. It's a s- solid four for me. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so 
you chose the top five for this episode, which, of course, as always, I completely forgot about until oh. literally <laughs> a minute before we started recording. So my list, as usual, is pure instinct and copied to, cobbled together. Mm-hmm. And will no doubt infuriate you. But there we have it. Our top five is... Top five Michelle Pfeiffer performances. Now, I, I, I've gone with performances, not films here. Right. Just because there are certain films that she's in, i.e. Avengers Endgame, which, yeah. it, it, you know, she's not in it enough to really kind of make much of a dent uh, when it comes to performance. Well, well I've, I, went for, I've went for movies that she's in, that mm-hmm. she's a big part of, like a leading right. name. Yeah, yeah. Um, movies I really enjoy. Okay. So, th- th- yeah. So this is this 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 wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, it wouldn't be my top. This isn't my top five films with Michelle Pfeiffer in. This is my top mm. five performances. The fi- the film could be a load of crap, but the performance within that film from Pfeiffer is for me what warrants the placing on the list. So. Okay. Who's going first? I'll go first. Me, me, can I? Oh. <laughs> hey, on you go, Brian. I was only going to say I'll go first because my number five is the film we've just talked about, which is What Lies Beneath. Uh, don't really need to mention much more of it because, as we've said, she gives a really great performance in it. She she does a whole load of different things. She has to go different places, and she does it very well. Okay, um, straight off the bat, I'm just going to annoy everybody out there. I'm, I'm not sorry just the way it is my number five is Stephanie from Greece 2 <laughs> <laughs> um, now I, I, you won't hear me saying that this is a great movie um, it, it's flawed it's one of those sequels that completely disregards every bit of magic from the original um, and tries to copy it but fails miserably but I watched this a lot when I was younger I enjoyed it I, I like the songs which aren't a patch on the original uh, I, I think Pfeiffer is the best thing about the movie I think she gives a great performance I've and not even seen the film and I can tell you she is the best thing about the movie <laughs> she is it's it's unlike the original it, it tries to be funny a lot a lot funnier than it should be and it fails right. miserably at that it's action's a little bit trite uh, uh, but Pfeiffer is amazing so there you have it yeah Grease 2 <laughs> a fantastic song oh, song about dude. reproduction that's guilty pleasure if ever there was one I, I, oh, sure <laughs> so of all the films I like you You weren't even going for performances you were literally going films so of all the films in her career <laughs> You're putting Grease 2 on there. Dude, you should be ashamed of yourself. All Dude, right. I am trying so hard not to burst into song right now. <laughs> so <laughs> just be thankful for that. Oh, man alive. Okay, so <clears throat> at number four, I'm going to go with Dangerous Minds. Um, this this is one of those films on my list where it, it, it's, it's not a great film. It's been done to death, that whole idea mm. of a teacher going into a rough school and you know even before yeah. dangerous minds i can think of quite a few of these kind of movies that were that were doing it wasn't new um no. the only thing that kind of impressed about it was the fact that yes it's it's five for taking on the role and she does a really great job with it uh she's very feisty in it she's ve- she gets quite aggressive she loses her her 
her temper sometimes with it. She loses her cool, um, which is, you know, just a, a side that she doesn't show too often. Uh, but, uh, but she, yeah, it's, it's just a really great central performance in what is otherwise a pretty average movie. And I know that when the film came out, there was a lot of talk about it. There was Oscar buzz and things like that. And yeah, you look at it, it's just an average movie. The thing that really is the centrepiece of it is Pfeiffer's performance. And that's that's the reason that I think the film is remembered more than, say, other films that do pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah, it must be said as well, look, when I was quickly running through our filmography looking for there was movies that jumped out of me, but I couldn't. It's been that long since I saw them that I couldn't really remember too much about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The performance that I've seen Scarface. I can't really remember her performance from it. Um, yeah, it's the fabulous it's not, Baker Boys. I, I I can't. I know she's good in that, mm, but I can't remember. Yeah, Scarface isn't one of my favorite performances. For she's, I mm. don't really feel like she's in it enough. A lot of the no, time, I, she's there to kind of service Pacino's character. Not mm. not in not in that sense, but uh, like. Yeah, just she she does get to do some stuff. She gets she gets a few heavy moments, uh, but I don't think she's asked to do what we know she's capable of doing in, in uh, and and have seen her do in other films. So yeah, so it's it's the things that kind of jumped out or, or, yeah, at me when I was reading the list. So uh, my number four is the Witches of Eastwick, mm-hmm. which I think is a really fun movie. Um, yeah. It's a very strong uh, say female movie as well mm-hmm. at a time when these kind of things weren't really happening you get three amazing female uh, performers in this movie mm. uh, and, and Jack Nicholson the most uh, misogynistic sort of caricature of a person <laughs> of that time you know he, he had a reputation and um, I just think it's a, a really fun movie great performances as you see because she's one of the more timid uh, of the three mm. female performances she's a kind yeah. of beaten down character and it's seen her kind of going from that um, kind of stilted personality into something that's a bit more freer, a bit more confident and ultimately taking down the devil Yeah It's been a long time since I've seen it, I remember the uh, the scene with Veronica Cartwright when she's just throwing up all over the place the, and yeah, yeah It's quite disgusting. The cherries is it? Yeah, the cherries, oh yeah that's it, makes, yeah, makes me want to vomit um, <laughs> I, yeah, I I like the film quite a bit actually. I when I, you know, when I was first getting into my Michelle Pfeiffer movies back in '92, this was one that <laughs> kind of made a regular appearance uh, on my VCR. But uh, yeah, for those listening who weren't born then, uh, VCRs used to play things called videotapes. <laughs> Man alive! Uh, but yeah, uh, so Witches of Eastwick, great choice. But it's not in my top five. What is in my top five, though, is my number three choice, which for me is perhaps the most underrated chick flick ever made, and that is Frankie and Johnny. Uh, it is from the director of Pretty Woman, uh, Gary Marshall. Now, Gary Marshall, obviously famous for Pretty Woman. I think this is a much better film. A much, much better film. You've got two great central performances from Pacino and Pfeiffer. But I think Pfeiffer in particular is absolutely brilliant. She does an amazing, amazing job of 
of crafting this character of, of this woman who has these walls up and she just will not let this guy in at all because she's scared of, 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 of getting hurt. You know she's been hurt before. You don't quite know in what way, but you, you can tell she's been messed with. And it just... It's, it's in that performance, and every time, like there's there's a, there's a really prolonged sequence right at the end of the film, when the two characters are thrashing everything out because she keeps flip flopping, she she keeps letting him in and then pushing him away, letting him in and pushing, and 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 he just has enough of it, and he and and like they, they just they thrash it out, and just her performance in that scene, it just it tears me apart every time, and it's just it's absolutely brilliant. Um, it annoys me that this film isn't on more lists. You know, when you see these kind of top ten rom coms, or, or I mean, it's not it's not so much a com; it's more just a romantic movie. But it, it's it it feels so real to me uh, the relationship between these two characters. There is a lot of other things in the film that are very typically Gary Marshall, but kind of before he started doing stuff like New Year's Day and. Valentine's yeah. Day and any other day that he could get his hands on that was celebrated in the year. Um, no, it, it's just a really solid character-driven piece in which Pfeiffer just absolutely, yeah, blows me away every time I watch it. Yeah. Um, my number three is What Lies Beneath. Yeah, for the reasons that we talked about. Mm -hmm. There we go. And my number two is the fabulous Baker Boys. Uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not a film I've revisited much, to be honest. But I do remember her performance. I think the last time I saw this was probably about twenty years ago. Um, but it is a performance that stuck with me. I particularly remember her singing on that piano. Um, but uh, but yeah, it you know she, she showed she could sing. As well, she does all of her all of her own singing in this in this film, and you know, it just again just adding another notch to that belt. Of, she of does it in Greece too, as well. She does. I, I <laughs> again, I have not seen that film. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, fabulous Baker Boys, really really great performance. Um, and again, like, like I say, it's if 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 you haven't seen a film for two decades and yet you still remember. Just how good someone was in it, then, yeah. I, I, I for me, Frankie and Johnny is definitely the, the film I, I, I watch more. I, I do, I like it more. I would say it's a better film overall, but I, I do think, yeah, I, I think she probably just about takes it with a performance in Fabulous Baker Boys. But who knows? If, if I watched it again today, I, I might feel differently. But there you go. Hmm. Yeah, my number two is Selena Kyle from Batman Returns, um, of course. It, it was an outstanding performance, probably still is, is, is regarded as the best Catwoman. Um, and I'm I'm not going to drone on and on about it because I'm going to let you drone on and on about it, Brian. <laughs> How presumptuous. <laughs> <laughs> so my number one is Wolf from 1994. Uh, no, it's not really. Of course it's Batman Returns. Of course it is. Um, I love Batman Returns. Uh, it is, of course, the film that made me fall in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. I, I just think she's got a lot to do 
in that movie, man. She's she's got she's doing stuff that a lot of actresses these days take for granted. You know, we we see superhero movies these days, left, right, and center. Mm. Uh, back back when Batman Returns came out, this kind of role for for a woman, it just it just, it didn't happen. It just didn't. Name name a role like this that uh, you know that that, that a, a female character had before before Pfeiffer kind of really put this kind of thing on the map. She she steals the show. And she goes. She has an incredible arc as well, going from this pushed-around secretary slash assistant slash secretary, as she keeps on flip-flopping. Um, and yeah, she she just she's very good, as I, as I say, at being very vulnerable, and yet mm. at the same time turning that around and believably turning into someone that you wouldn't want to mess with um but but someone who's very deranged as well like the 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 tone in her voice the way she lowers i i, I don't know what the, the what the what the name for it for it is they call it baritone or something i, I i'm not musically minded I've, I've probably just completely said the wrong thing but just just the way that when she's selena kyle at the beginning when she becomes Catwoman, the voice completely changes. Like it, it comes down a few octaves. I don't know. I, again, I don't know about that stuff. Um, but um, yeah, it's just a completely different physicality to her. There's just, just everything. She completely changes to the point where you, you wonder if it's even her behind that mask. You know, we've we we see her. Her chin and her her eyes, but it's like that. You find yourself at times wondering if that's even Pfeiffer, and she does mm. a, a lot of whip work as well herself in this. So there's a, there's a moment where she whips these four heads off off these mannequins, and it ain't done by CGI. She does that. That's Pfeiffer doing it. You know, they film it in a wide shot. She does it, and the the the, the whip trainer that. That trained her for the job said that she he'd never seen anyone do like he'd he'd worked with like Indiana Jones stuff or something or something but he said he said that the work she was doing on that film was better than anything that Ford had done in in or, or even the, the stuntmen had done in in uh, Indiana Jones um, so it's it's just that it's that commitment to the craft that separates her you know she's not just gone in there and gone well stunt double can do this or you know i can half-ass this they can fix it in post she's she's looked at what this character is the psychology behind it and she's embraced it she's she's truly become something else uh and it's 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 unlike anything else she's ever done i think um and it still for me is definitely the best interpretation of catwoman um so yeah that's my number one okay my number one is The Age of Innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, the Martin Scorsese absolute belter of a movie. Um, and the character of Ellen uh, is, is wonderful as well because, you know, she she's instigated into this relationship between Newland, D- uh, Daniel Day-Lewis' character, and, and his uh, betrothed, and she's her cousin. Um, but she's a little bit ostracised 
from the high society because of her previous relationships and uh, just the way she's she's seen but becomes the option uh, the object of Newland's desire and to see her kind of control that relationship and kind of twist and turn within herself because of what she's doing to her cousin um, because of the, the standing she has in society um, how she kind of pulls away from it but she's still fully in control this is a woman uh, in a time and era that has all the power um, and the control and wields it in a manner that's unusual to, to see females at that time I just seen this movie for the first time this year and I was truly captivated and every time Pfeiffer came on screen I thought it was wonderful and she's with Daniel Day-Lewis who's has he been anything less than amazing mm-hmm. in a movie um, and I think she's better than him I think it's a wonderful movie, wonderful performance. And and just quickly, I know it's not hard, but Scorsese just shoots the crap out of this thing in such <laughs> lavish fashion that it's just wonderful. Just the way he moves the camera over a dining table while they're setting out these immaculately placed foods, uh, plates is just uh, wonderful. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favour and check it out. As it happens, I haven't seen it. It's it's. Right. It's one of the few Pfeiffer films I've not seen. I do have it on DVD. I've had it for some time. Uh, but for whatever reason, I've just never got around to it. Uh, so, yeah. Um, on my one to watch. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next episode of Brits on Flicks, where we're going to, mm-hmm. or I'm going to read out five manipulated synopsis for Brian to try and decipher and he's going to what decipher Pfeiffer Pfeiffer Brian is going to discard uh, each one until he is left with what shall be next episode's film so are you ready Brian I'm ready <laughs> okay number one Computer scientist Hannon Fuller has discovered something extremely important. He's about to tell the discovery to his colleague Douglas Hall, but knowing someone is after him, the old man leaves a letter in a special place. Fuller is murdered, and Hall finds himself in a mystery wrapped in an enigma. That sounds 80s. Well, it's not. (laughs) Uh, Number two. In the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between her love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Her journey leads her to a terrifying end and some harsh truths. And number three. A community of outcasts of varying types with varying abilities attempts to escape the attention of a psychotic serial killer and redneck vigilantes with the help of a brooding young man who discovers them. Number four. Okay. Uh, Corky, a tough female ex-con and her lover Violet concoct a scheme to steal millions of stashed mob money and pin the blame on Violet's crooked boyfriend. Just read number three out to me again. (laughs) A community of outcasts of varying types with varying abilities attempts to escape the attention of a psychotic serial killer and redneck vigilantes with the help of a brooding young man who discovers them. And shall I jump on to number five? Go on. 
Uh, a woman finds herself in the middle of a huge conflict that will either make her a profit or cost her her life. Oh, man, I'm not getting anything from any of these. I thought for a There's, minute that number three might be Logan, but then it mm. did, it, some of it doesn't really make sense. So. Th there is one on here that, that I've went to watch three times within the past month and I've stopped going... I'm going to wait, just in case. <laughs> and oh, if you don't pick it, I'm watching it. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching I'm it now. I'm struggling, struggling. I, um, if I was to take a guess, and I think this is a, a fairly good guess, you've seen all five. Good grief. Uh, get rid of number three. You have gotten rid of Nightbreed. Ah, no, I've not seen it. Oh, you've not seen that one? That's no. quite good. Quite okay. different. Is that a Stephen King adaptation? Nope, that is a no. Clive Barker. Oh, Clive Barker, yeah. Okay. All right, good. hit me with number one again. Actually, Computer no, get, get, ri get rid of number one. Get rid of number one, I remember. Oh, <sighs> bugger. I, I, I don't know why I'm gagging to rewatch this and I've, I've like I said I've almost watched it like three times recently but I kept holding off hoping you were going to choose it <laughs> you have gotten rid of the 13th floor oh I've not seen it but I, I've I've heard good things about it for quite some time so you've got rid of I'd say there's two big movies in the next three that, that you've you've definitely seen and I'm pretty sure you've seen the other one as well but there's two huge movies here. Right. So read, read, read them out again. It's got two, four, and five. Okay. Yes. Number two, in the aftermath of a family tragedy, an aspiring author is torn between her love for her childhood friend and the temptation of a mysterious outsider. Her journey leads her to a terrifying end and some harsh truths. Number four, Corky. A tough female ex-con and her lover Violet concoct a scheme to steal millions of stashed mob money and pin the blame on Violet's crooked boyfriend. Is that bad? Number five. Number five. I'm not telling you, Brian. <laughs> Get rid of uh, number four. Number four. You've read number four, which is bound. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was I was still trying to work out number three in my head when you read that before, so I think I completely missed that one. But yeah bound uh yeah I'd yep number five uh, a woman finds herself in the middle of a huge conflict that will either make her a profit or cost her her life i'm gonna have to say that of the two of those the one that intrigues me most is number two so get rid of number five you have seen both of these you've got rid of jackie brown Oh, right. Okay. Okay, and you have chosen Crimson Peak. Ah. Oh. Okay. Which I think, um, for me, is something that I, I, I wanted to revisit. I haven't mm -hmm. seen it since the cinema. Yeah. I've been looking forward to come back to it. I think it's one that deserves a, a rewatch. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious about this one. So... Top five, mm. and I've went for a broad scope because I like it when we have like so much playground. 
to win. <laughs> and it's going to be top five gothic horrors. Oh, flipping Nora. Yeah. Going to have to do some research now, Anna. Oh, listen to the disappointment you, people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like their research. I don't I like mean, I could have went for, the, for this. the top five Del Toro, but I thought that'd be uh, too easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just uh, top five gothic horrors. I mean, it's, it's wide open. So mm. many to choose from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, of course, dear listenership, thank you for downloading this and if you would go to iTunes and give us a little review we would really appreciate that it lets people know that we are uh, all about uh, and maybe get us some more listeners and give us a little ego boost as well and uh, we will see you in 2020 yes mm. yeah. thanks for and, listening and we'll uh, see you next episode oh. on you go no, well, well no it's okay goodbye <laughs> 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 He's always got to get the last word. See you next episode. Poop. Um, I like. I can hear someone cleaning plates. Give me a second. <laughs> uh, just, just because, yeah. She, I don't know. She was just giving me those vibes of uh, Julianne Moore's character, who kind of comes in, helps, and then, kind of. Daddy. Yes, lass. I'm thirsty, but I've got no drink.